I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. I am so excited to be here today with Lucinda Newcomb, who is the Chief Product Officer at WW. Lucinda, welcome to the show. Thanks, Remy. I'm thrilled to be here. Lucinda, you've had an amazing career in technology at some amazing companies. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. And it's so funny because I look back and it looks like it makes so much sense. And I'm like, it was not nearly as intentional as I'm about to make it sound for the record. (laughs) 27-year career, you know, my first 10 years were really in consulting. First, a company called Gartner Group, where I was advising these big companies on how to use technology. And then going through the dot-com boom and helping advise these big companies on this newfangled internet thing. And then I got to like my late 20s and was about to get married and got really tired tired of being a consultant and having clients on a Thursday say, Hey, I need you on a plane on Monday morning. I had a feeling I wouldn't be married very long if I kept doing that. And um, went to a friend of mine and I was like, what is it? This thing that I've been doing where it's big picture thinking and big strategy, but also delivering and launching things. And she diagnosed me. She said, you are a product manager and switched over to product management um, and have never looked back. So started out doing it at Yahoo, went to the Gap, been at Lonely Planet, let's then started leading product at Sephora and then at Walmart and now here at WW. And I love product management. I like to say it's at the intersection of business and technology, defining, designing, and delivering digital experiences that delight customers and drive business impact. And she was right. She diagnosed me. I'm thrilled. It's been a crazy journey, but I love big B2C brands, love solving real problems for consumers and building beautiful, fun digital experiences along the way. That was definitely the best explanation of the product function I have ever heard. (laughs) So well done. And if everybody listening doesn't want to become a product manager, then they're crazy. It's really the best job. And I tell people, I'm like, if your worst fear in life is being bored, product management is a great job for you. (laughs) So it would seem that you are someone who has a lot of curiosity and likes to not be bored. And you did make a lot of changes along the way. So what I'm interested to know is how did you know when it was time to look for something new? How did you know when it was time to make a change? Yeah, you know, probably about the first half of my career, I'd say I was chasing the next step, right? And, you know, and I think that's true for most of us, you know, early in our careers, like, I want to be a senior product manager now. Now I want to be a director. Now I want, you know, you're chasing that next step. And there's always a bit of the grass is greener and sort of like, oh, will it be here? Will it be better? Will it be better there? I have had the good fortune of, you know, about 10 years ago, really shifting into saying, okay, I'm going to start choosing what I do next, which is harder, by the way, (laughs) but it requires you to really know what matters. And so maybe seven or eight years ago, I came up with what I call my scorecard. And it is the five criteria that matter most to me in what is it that is giving me joy in my career. And, you know, a lot of it is thinking about the happiness versus pride trade-off, making sure that I'm leaning toward the things that are making me happy versus leaning toward the things that are giving me pride or that I think I should be doing or somebody else thinks I should be doing. Really, when I think about for me and... I like to encourage people, you should have your criteria. My criteria have evolved over the years. It depends on where you are in your career. But currently my five criteria, number one, there should be good macro 
good macroeconomics. Like for me, being at a company that is growing, that has a sizable opportunity, that has macroeconomic tailwinds, not headwinds, is really important. Look, some people love a good turnaround. That's not me. And knowing that is really important. The second thing I look for is passion match. And passion match, like I said, I'm a B2C girl, especially if it's helping women and empowering women and what they're doing with their lives. And knowing that that's my sweet spot and that's my passion match has been a really guiding principle and a guiding light for me. The third thing is culture. And I'll tell you that culture is the hardest thing to suss out from outside as you're thinking about joining a place, but is the most important predictor of your success. And not because there's such a thing as a perfect culture, but there is such a thing as a perfect culture for you. And I define that as saying the things that are your natural tendencies, are those the things that this organization naturally values and appreciates? Like you can't do 10 years of consulting if you don't have the ability to get along, if you have to with anybody in any situation, like you have to have that ability. But at Sephora, what I found was a place that naturally amplified what were my natural tendencies. And I grew tremendously as a result. And it's something that, you know, at WW, I find it every day as well. But it's this really interesting combination of get shit done, talk fast, think fast, work fast kind of girl, balanced with collaboration. I'm a compulsive collaborator. I'm an off the charts extrovert. You cannot tell me to go off into a corner and do something on my own. I require collaboration. I love collaboration. Like those two things don't often live together very well, but if it's balanced with being customer centric and always putting the customer needs first, those three things come together really powerfully. And so I found that at Sephora was the first time I found it. It was a huge unlock for me and my growth in my career because I could stop second guessing my decisions and what I was doing and just got amplified in really pursuing my authentic leadership self. And so I always encourage people, if you're in a culture where they're trying to get you to change Maybe you're in the wrong culture for what is who you are, because there isn't perfect, but there is perfect for you. The fourth one is role. And I don't say title very intentionally role in terms of I'm not done growing. I'm not done learning. I want to continue to be in roles that challenge me and I get to broaden my skill set and broaden my perspective. Um, and I think it's really important to know like whether or not you are still in a growth phase or whether or not you are like, hey, I've reached where I want to be. Like if I go any higher, then I'm not going to get to do the things I love. But understanding where you are in your growth trajectory and your role. And then the fifth one, and this one I'm going to say it to all you ladies out there. The fifth one is comp. And not because I'm greedy, you know, but A, a girl's got to eat. And B, too often we are socialized to not stand up and ask for what we are worth and to be valued appropriately. And it is really important that when you join a company, when you're at a company, that you know that you're being valued for the worth that you provide. And those five criteria, so I use those in figuring out, like it was how I knew when it was time to leave Sephora a few years ago was because it had been an awesome five years, but recognizing that my A pluses have been turning into B minuses and turning into C pluses and a couple of key areas that it was time to go out and look for something. And it's how I know when I sit here at WW, you know, I look at the culture and the role and the, and the passion match. Um, it just makes me so excited to be here. So tell people, figure out your criteria. They don't have to be my five. They should be yours, but it's important to know what is it that is most impactful to your day-to-day happiness. And that'll tell you when to leave, when to look and whether or not you've found the right opportunity when you do. I love this framework and I love how clearly you defined it and explained it. I think there's a really good takeaway there for us all. And I will confess, I don't have a scorecard, but I'm going to probably have to go make one. I love it. I love it. 
So you had all these roles at different places, and now you have this huge job at a huge brand. How do you feel like those roles prepared you for what you do now? It's been such an evolution, right? And, you know, as I said, going from your first time managing people, then you're like managing managers and leading leaders. And, you know, as you go in the scope and breadth and depth of your leadership, it's often impossible as you look up to the next level to know what's going to be that next level. Because early on, you just assume it's doing the same job more, right? (laughs) And doing the same job with more people. But it's actually at every level, it is a different job. By the way, the hardest transition in my career that I've experienced and what I've observed in many other people I've mentored and coached along the way as well, is going from being an individual contributor to being that first management job, that first director job. And especially because as an individual contributor in product management, you are expected to have all the answers. You are expected to be the one who knows where all the bodies are, who knows what's happening, why it's happening, and keeping all the trains together. And as you transition into being a director and managing people, those things that got you there and were so powerful are actually the things that will hold you back in your desire to know all the details, to be the one who has all the answers, it actually holds you back from being able to deliver through others, which is the fundamental definition of starting to lead and manage teams, is being able to figure out how to deliver through other people. And so, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, look, a good director is like a really good cook. Like day in, day out, they are putting out like the same recipe, but they're putting it out. It tastes great. The burrito is always awesome, you know, and consistent and great. And that's a good director because every day, day in, day out, they're taking those ingredients and they're making the right food. As a senior director, you need to be more of a chef. And a chef is somebody who not only do they cook well, but when they go to the market and they say, "Mm, hey, look, this random ingredient is in season and I'm going to go create a new recipe or oops, they don't have tomatoes today. Tomatoes are in half of my recipes. I wonder what I should do about that. Being a chef and being able to react and see new strategies and see new white space and be able to create new opportunities instead of just doing well what you've been doing. And, you know, as you get to more of a VP or more executive level, now you're actually managing the entire restaurant. And all of a sudden, like, wait, your skill set is in cooking, but now you have to actually figure out how to staff wait staff, how to get a maitre d', how to advertise to get people in the door to come to your restaurant. All of a sudden you have to lead functions that you don't know from the ground up. And that's in and of itself a skill, being able to lead somebody who has the skill set without having to be the one who has all the answers and knows it yourself. And, you know, as you, and, you, know, as you think about more CPO, I think of it more of, you know, having a restaurant chain. <laughs> much broader. These are different challenges at each level. You're still leading people. You're still leading through others. You're leading more senior people. So you have to be able to let go of things, but it is something that, you know, at every step you need to let go of the notion that what got you here is going to get you to the next level. Cause what was working in your past role got you to this level, but now it's a new job. And every level is in fact a different job and needs new skills and needs you to rethink your identity and rethink how you operate because sometimes you yourself have to adapt into that new position. I love it. And actually it it really resonates with my experience and what I'm kind of dealing with at this moment. So it really has me thinking. So you work in the technology function and you came up through consulting. You've probably been in a lot of situations where you're the only woman in the room. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) How has that impacted your career? You know, it's been fascinating. 
my first real job was at Gartner Group. It was amazing. So this was back in 1995. So it was before the internet, really. And, you know, people still paid for content. What a day. Um, and paid a boatload of money for the content that Gartner Group produced, which was essentially all of these old dudes who'd been around technology for decades advising these companies on how to use technology to be better companies. And it was a brilliant idea, super successful. And by the way, I worked with some of the most brilliant men in the universe. And they would hire, they called us IROCs to our faces, idiots right out of college. You ever heard this IROX? Every year they would go out and hire like eight to 10 of us with the idea that, you know, you can teach somebody technology. It's much harder to teach somebody to be strategic, to be analytical, to have good communication skills. Things were in short supply. You know, so they would bring us and mentor us. And I learned very early on, I mean, the mid nineties and God, the egos. (laughs) So I think back on it, but it's one of those where we as women, we have to cultivate different ways of getting our point across and different ways of communicating. We are socialized and we are wired differently. And there's nothing wrong with that. The trick is figuring out how to use that substance, but be authentic in your own style, right? The fact is we as women, we approach things differently and we need to lean into that. Early in my career, I had all these men basically coaching me and trying to tell me how to act like a dude. And I was like, That is exactly not who I am. And it was a really important lesson to realize that, you know, you can be successful in this world without having to try and figure out how to fit in, but actually figuring out what's unique about you and figuring out how you bring something that is a different secret sauce and something that is special. Tell you the, uh, the time that I spent at Sephora, I used to call it the pink bubble. All the rest of the executives were all these incredible badass women, right? And, you know, being around so many badass women was so empowering to see that and to see the different styles. And it was really eye-opening. And so having had that opportunity to really be immersed in that, it really helped me as I found my own voice and frankly, just stopped being worried about not looking and sounding like the other guys at the table. So like WW, I mean, Mindy Grossman is a, just, I mean, you talk about a badass, like our leadership, the amount of incredible women in our leadership across the organization. Again, it's one of the reasons I joined because when I looked around, I saw so many of these really strong women, successful executives that it feels good. Well, that is wonderful to hear. I love it. I'm going to ask you one of the questions that I know drives everybody crazy when I ask, but I'm very interested to hear your answer. What do you think some mistakes you made along the way were? Yes. Remember that magical framework I talked about those five criteria. Yeah, it's a, it is a magical framework, but it doesn't mean that you can't misuse it. If you're in the wrong mindset, I made some missteps when I was choosing my next career move, just because I got into this insecure place. And I'll tell you, it happened so innocently. I was driving with my mother and, you know, it was like, I had said it was going to be my summer of possibilities and, you know, it was the end of the summer. And so my mom's looking at me going, so when are you going to get a new job? And it triggered all of the imposter syndrome and all the insecurity. And I thought I was using my criteria, but I actually ended up making a choice from a more insecure place and thinking that, okay, it's just time that I land and that, that I figure something out. Looking back, I should have stuck more to the criteria and given myself more time. It just goes to show like any analytical framework can be abused if in the hands of the wrong mindset. So it's definitely something to keep in mind as going through it, that like when you're looking for a new job, it's so easy to get caught up in the, my God, I have no identity without my jobs. I just need to land. So I have something. And then I, you know, 
But if you give yourself the gift of taking time to choose and be thoughtful, you have to keep giving yourself that gift over and over again and not fall prey to the insecurity because it is going to haunt you and you have to keep quelling it, you know, knowing that you're on the right path and stick to what matters. Wait for the right thing. You got to wait for the right thing. You got to be patient just because you're ready. Doesn't necessarily mean that the right role for you is ready for you just yet. And it's magical when you find it. I mean, when I got to WW and I just like, Oh, right. This is what I've been looking for. This is it. There's yes. And there's everything else. And if you find yourself trying to convince yourself, it's a yes. Chances are it's not. Like I said, like when I got to WW and I looked at it, I was like, yes, see, I had evaluated this on my five criteria and it has been exactly what I had hoped and really looked for. And that if you know what it is that matters to you, don't compromise. Don't let that little insecure monster, like the the voice in your head is not you. The voice in your head is wrong. Don't let that voice in your head lead you astray and tell you that time's up. You gotta, you know, you gotta settle down and stick to your guns. Yeah. And two things I actually take away from that also are number one. So, okay, your criteria, your roadmap scorecard is it can't always be perfect. Like it's never going to be a hundred percent perfect predictor, but also, okay. So you maybe make the wrong move. You can course correct. Absolutely. That is also not the end of the world. Absolutely. And I will tell you, you know, there used to be this mindset of you can't be someplace only a year or you can't leave before you have a new job lined up. Those are fallacies. Let go of that old thinking. We are in a world right now, especially right now, like we are in a boom in terms of hiring. And the fact is like taking the time to be thoughtful and step away from your current role. If you can afford to give yourself that gift, it is a powerful gift and it is not frowned upon and looked down upon by people who are hiring. In fact, you get a lot more respect if you say like, Hey, I am doing this intentionally. Give yourself that gift. Yeah. Great. Amazing. So how do you spend time when you're not working and does it involve a scorecard? (laughs) Funnily enough, (laughs) so my husband and I have been married almost 20 years now and we don't have kids. We've got fur babies. So I have two puppies. So right now I spend a lot of time with my puppies, but I tell people, I'm like, we don't have kids. We've got toys, time and golf handicaps. I spend a lot of time golfing. And in fact, it does involve scorecards. And mostly because all my four of my grandparents golfed and I, so I grew up, you know, around the game. But at the end of the day, like it gets you outside, it gets you out of your head. And by the way, if there is one thing that teaches you patience and how to live in the moment and move forward, it's the ability, like you have a crappy hole, you got to move on to the next hole and let it go. You have 18 holes. You can't agonize over the first one and ruin the rest of the 17. And, you know, more than anything, it has taught me so much around both self-soothing, <laughs> managing my own mindset, as well as just appreciating, you know, a good long walk and getting out there. And, you know, my husband and I enjoy golfing together and he's a good sport about it because the first time I ever beat him was on our first wedding anniversary. But it's great because you literally can be more competitive with yourself than with anybody else. And I just find it a very good outlet to get out some of my competitive instincts in nature, but do it with myself and really, you know, enjoy something that I get to keep getting better at. Yeah. It's a really good way to just be in the moment. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing I do is I'm obsessed with my Peloton. I would not have made it through COVID shut in without the Peloton because look, when you spend so much of your time, especially as a leader, talking with other people working through, you know, like people don't come to me with the easy stuff. They bring me their monkeys. They bring the hard stuff. Like at the end of the day, you need to have something that takes you out of your head and gives you that sense of accomplishment. And I don't enjoy working out, but I enjoy after I've worked out. I'm a huge fan of being active and balancing your head that way. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, I think it's so essential. I really believe in the mind-body connection. I did want to go back to the golf, actually. Do you think it's helped your career along the way that you play golf? You know, it's so funny because early on, I thought it was going to be such a game changer for me because being in tech, I'm like, so I'm going to be out on the golf course with all these guys. Right. And then it was funny because like I said, one of the most accelerated growth periods of my career was at Sephora where nobody played golf. I think I started out thinking that it was going to be this great unlock for me there. But at the end of the day, I've met amazing people golfing, especially, you know, other women who golf, we tend to be kindred spirits and, you know, competitive types. But no, I've never found a job on the golf course. Yet. 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 <laughs> I think I'm going to move to our fast five. First one is, what's your favorite karaoke song? That is easy. It is Summer Lovin' from Greece. <sighs> um, and in fact, I hadn't done karaoke in years and not just COVID years, uh, but a couple of weeks ago, did it. it's a go-to for me. I love it. Tell me more. I think you may have told us, but your favorite way to practice self-care is the Peloton, the golf. Peloton and golf, but the other one is journaling. And, you know, there's something for me that whenever I find my head, like just bouncing around and all these things wrapped up in there and my shoulders clenched and sitting down and just writing, writing to myself, I literally just email myself and God knows the things somebody would find if they ever hacked my email, but you know, just like (laughs) being able to write something down and know that I'm the only one who's ever going to read it and really go through and work out and interrogate myself. Right. Because I I realized as an extrovert, I do my best thinking while I'm talking to other people. And I was like, Oh, it works. If I talk to myself too, that's cool. (laughs) But that practice of journaling, every time I feel all, you know, snarled up inside sitting down and just giving myself some quiet space to write to myself really helps unravel and get to the bottom of like, what am I really anxious about? What am I really trying to work through? And I don't always find all the answers, but I certainly find a lot more clarity. Love that. Well, who is the celebrity dead or alive that you would like to have dinner with? Oh, Michelle Obama. Yeah. Hands down, hands down. Great. Listening to her book a couple of years ago, listening to her voice and every time I, I just, yeah, it would be a very long dinner. She would not be able to get away. I would not let her leave. I think that would be a great dinner. I would like to attend. So uh, besides Becoming, is there another book you would like to recommend to our audience? One of my recent favorites uh, is a book called Think Again by Adam Grant. Um, And I love, and I'm a huge fan of Adam Grant. And, and, you know, the, the premise is none of us are perfect. We're all wrong in some way at some time. When you find out you're wrong about something, don't be upset. That's a gift. Because it means you can now fix it and become right again. And, and, you know, too often we get our identity wrapped up in the things that we believe and the things that we think we know and that we think we're right about. And, you know, the more you wrap your identity up in that, like it actually prevents you from moving forward and from growing and from being more, you know, more effective. And so he talks about this notion of being on Mount Stupid, which is when you know just enough to be dangerous and you think you're super smart and know it all versus before you realize you really don't. And it, you know, he draws this graph and you're, you're just sitting on Mount Stupid where you think you know it all. And I tell people all the time not to set up base camp on Mount Stupid uh, because it really is. It's a dangerous, <laughs> it's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> I may have to use that. A very god boss, it is a tradition that we ask our participant to brag about themselves. So the idea is we observe that women are just not as comfortable bragging or taking credit for our achievements. And it holds us back because then people don't know what our achievements are. So I'm going to ask you, Lucinda, to be a role model for us all and show us how some good bragging works. 
This is a hard one. It's, it's, really, it's hard. really, it's so hard. So hard. I mean, we are so socialized to not do it, but I will tell you that right now, the thing I've been bragging about and um, I'm so proud of is I have hired the dream team. My leaders right now are the best I've ever hired anywhere. And they're functioning as a leadership team together. Each one is in self amazing. I have never been more impressed with leaders and I am so proud of having hired them. I tell them all the time that I am so smart for having hired them. <laughs> but it is really, you know, having having hired just an awesome team is is a great feeling and I'm really proud of it because it's hard to do. It's very hard to do. Yeah, for sure. All right, Lucinda, you did a great job bragging. Congratulations. Thank you. I've been working on it. And I always say that when people do it right afterwards, you can see they sit up straighter, they feel better. It's awful at the beginning, but then you're like, yeah, I did do that. So last question for you is if you were to distill it all, all your knowledge and your experience, what is the one thing you think our listeners should take away? What's the biggest piece of career advice you think they should take from here today? Can I give you two? Yes. Yes. Okay. The first one is don't negotiate against yourself. The amount of times that, you know, I'm early in my career where I was like, no, no, they know the value I bring. Somebody, somebody will discover me. They'll take care of it for me. There is no they, right? Like you have to be the captain of your own destiny and don't assume that somebody else is negotiating on your behalf or that they're going to do nearly as good of a job of it. Like never negotiate against yourself. Like you must ask whether it's for the compensation that you deserve or whether it's for the title you deserve, or frankly, whether it's for the role you deserve, the project you deserve, like don't negotiate against yourself and assume you shouldn't raise your hand. The first step is raising your hand. The second piece of advice I would say is that the how you do something is just as important, if not more important than what you do. It is not good enough to have launched some great product if you've left bodies on the battlefield behind you who never want to work with you again. The fact is how you do things, how you collaborate, how you bring other people into the conversation, how you make them feel after every interaction with you is just as important, if not more than what you do, because people are going to remember those emotions far more than they're going to remember the actual content. And, you know, years later, you're going to remember how somebody made you feel way more than what it was that you did. And, you know, that's the part where, you know, when, when you are struggling with somebody or struggling in a situation, and ask yourself if how you're showing up is actually more the issue than what it is, you know, and think about how you want to be and be intentional about it is one of the most important decisions you can make. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Lucinda, this has been amazing. Great advice, great perspective. And you've given me a lot to think about. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.